Hi, I'm Paul Ellard. Welcome to Our Queen, Our Mother, the Graces of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In our sessions, we will be exploring the topic of the Blessed Virgin Mary and why she is important to the Christian faith. With each talk, we will try and open up and explain in simple terms the Catholic Church's teaching on the Blessed Virgin Mary. We will also include a testimony of people who have experienced her love and grace in their own lives. So welcome to the program and let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving God, we give you thanks and praise for all the graces and blessings that you give us. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your mother and for her apparitions at Fatima. Thank you, Lord, that you sent her to a world in crisis. You sent her with a message of hope with a message of guidance and motherly love. Thank you for reaching out to a world that so much needs you, Lord. And so as we look at this topic today, Lord, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us, to open our hearts so that we may enter deeply into this message of Fatima. Hail Mary full of grace the Lord is with you blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb Jesus Holy Mary mother of God pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death Amen Immaculate Heart of Mary pray for us Blessed Francesco and Jacinta pray for us Blessed Pope John Paul II pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today we want to look at the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima. Now I might just draw you uh, attention to a previous talk in which we covered an introduction to Marian apparitions. It's episode 8 and it's called She Comes to Give Us Hope. You can go to the Cradio download section there and you can see it. If you haven't listened to that talk, I'd highly recommend it as a very good introduction to what we are about to discuss. It'll give a really good foundation. And in fact, also, the talk that we did on Pope John Paul II in Episode 7 is also a very good foundation because there's a lot of things about John Paul which is connected with Fatima, which I won't go into again, but if you want to cover those aspects, then please go back and have a listen to episode 7, The Marian Pope, it's called. Fatima, then, is located in Portugal, and Our Lady appeared to three young children in 1917, and she appeared on the 13th of the month for six consecutive months. The overriding message of Fatima was a call for mankind to return to God, to make reparation for sins and to pray the rosary for peace. So it's a very severe message in one sense because it deals with serious issues. 
But, like all Marian apparitions, Our Lady doesn't come to give us prophecies of doomsday, but to warn us of our own self-destruction, to give us hope and to give us a means to avoid this. And so she came in 1917 right near the end of World War I and she predicted that if the world did not convert there would be a greater war in World War II. And of course we know what's happened and we know what's happened since then. So we're not in a good place. Even though the message is in 1917, the message of Fatima is very, very relevant today and a call for us to conversion has never been so urgent. The apparitions were approved by the church in 1930. When we say approved, the church says that they're worthy of belief. That's the expression that they use. As Catholics, we don't have to believe. It's not necessary for our salvation that we believe in private revelation. But, of course, we would be foolish if we didn't. But if you want to be legalistic about it, We don't have to believe in any apparition, any private revelation, but the church declares these worthy of belief, and if the Lord thought it was important enough to send his mother, then I think we should at least come with humble hearts and be prepared to take on board what Jesus is wanting to tell us. Now, before the apparitions began in Fatima, in this tiny little village, the three visionaries were Lucia, she was aged 10, Francesco, who was 9, and Jacinta, 7. So Francesco and Jacinta were brother and sister, and Lucia was a cousin. Before the apparitions of Our Lady began in 1917, they were preceded by three apparitions of the guardian angel of Portugal, which began in 1916 and served as a preparation for the following year for the visit of Mary. So the angel appeared to the three children while they were pasturing their sheep in the fields. And the angel said to them, Fear not, I am the angel of peace. Pray with me. The angel knelt on the ground and recited this prayer three times as the children repeated it after him. The prayer was this, O my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. And I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. Then some months later, the angel appeared again and said to them, Pray, pray a great deal. The hearts of Jesus and Mary have merciful designs on you. Offer prayers and sacrifices continually to the Most High. Make everything you do a sacrifice and offer it as an act of reparation for the sins by which God is offended and as a petition for the conversion of sinners. Bring peace to our country in this way. I am the guardian angel of Portugal. Accept and bear with submission All the sufferings the Lord will send you. So these are very strong messages, particularly for young children. But it's interesting that God allowed this. Today we tend to think, oh, we don't want to talk about those strong messages or talking about 
ideas of sacrifice or suffering to young children because they're not ready to bear it. But, well, it would appear that the Lord doesn't think that way. Admittedly, these children were specially blessed. But nevertheless, they, um, they certainly embraced all that the Lord asked them to do. And then the third and final apparition of the guardian angel, some months later, the angel again appeared to the children and prostrated himself on the ground before a vision of a chalice and host and said, Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly. I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ present in all the tabernacles of the world in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges and indifference by which he is offended and through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary I beg of you the conversion of poor sinners. Now that's an incredibly rich prayer rich in theology, rich in its understanding. might be worth just looking at this prayer a little bit and opening it up. Because I have to be honest, it's actually one of my favorite prayers. This prayer and the prayer that I mentioned earlier, these two prayers I love to say is part of my adoration prayer in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I'm sure you will find them very powerful and deeply touching. So the first part of the prayer is, O Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly. Pure adoration. So much of our prayer, we're always asking for things. But it's important to remember that we need to adore God as God, as a fundamental principle. In the next part of the prayer, the angel says, I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. There is the sacrifice of the cross, body, blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ present in all the tabernacles of the world. There the angel is stressing the real presence of Jesus in the tabernacle. And why are we offering the body, blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ to the Trinity? He says, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges and indifference whereby he is offended. So they're strong words, but we have to realize that we live in a world which the offenses and the sins of mankind outrage our Lord. They're sacrileges and in just indifference to God. How much that needs reparation. How we need to make good and try and make up for those offences. And then the final part of the prayer, the angel says, And through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg the conversion of poor sinners. So we're praying for sinners, praying for the conversion. And this, in a sense, is the heart of the Fatima message. If it was relevant in 1917, it's certainly relevant today. So can I suggest to you that you put those prayers as part of your adoration time. Very powerful. Now the first apparition of Our Lady then occurred on the 13th of the month. Why the 13th? Well, we're not really sure, but 
I think it's reasonable to say that the 13th number is made up of the letter 1 and 3. So we have three persons in one God and the singular one is the Trinity. So perhaps that 13 is reinforcing the whole concept of the Trinity. It was a Sunday, the 13th of May, 1917, and there were two bright flashes of light, and Our Lady appeared in a radiant light to the children. And the first word she said, Do not be afraid. I will do you no harm. Now Lucia being the eldest and ended up being the spokesperson for the visionaries, Lucia asked, Where are you from? And Our Lady responded, I am from heaven. Lucia asked, What do you want of us? Our Lady responded, I come to ask you to come here on the 13th day for six months at this same time and then I will tell you who I am and what I want and afterwards I will return here for a seventh time. And Lucia asked, Will I go to heaven? Our Lady said, Yes, you will. And Lucia asked, And Jacinta? And Our Lady responds, She also. And Lucia asked, And Francesco? Will he go to heaven too? Our Lady said, Yes, but first he must say many rosaries. And then Lucia asked the fate of two girls who had died recently. And a lady told them that one was already in heaven and the other would be in purgatory until the end of the world. A lady then asked, Would you like to offer yourselves to God to accept all the sufferings which he may send you in reparation for the countless sins by which he is offended and in supplication for the conversion of sinners? Lucia said yes for all three of them. And then Our Lady said, Then you will have much to suffer, but the grace of God will be your comfort. The children were stirred deep in their spirits, and they cried out, O Most Holy Trinity, I adore you. My God, my God, I love you in the Most Blessed Sacrament. Our Lady then asked the children to recite the rosary every day, and then rose in the cloud into the sky. So there we see the first apparition, a call to the rosary and a call to embrace the cross and a reassurance they would go to heaven. But a little interesting how she added with Francesco that he will have to say many rosaries first. So we don't get a free ticket. <laughs> then on the 13th of June, which was a Wednesday, Our Lady appears again to the children. And by this time, there was about a dozen curious people around the children. The crowd sees only a small white cloud hovering over the shrub where Our Lady is appearing to the children. And Lucia says, My Lady, what do you want of me? And Our Lady responded, I want you to come on the 13th day of next month and to pray the rosary every day. And I want you to learn to read. Lucia asked for the cure of a sick person. Our Lady said, If she is converted, she will be cured within a year. Lucia said, I want you to take us to heaven. Our Lady replied, Yes, 
I will take Francesco and Jacinta soon, but you must remain on earth for some time. Jesus wishes to use you to make me better known and loved. He wishes to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. Lucia said, Must I stay here all alone? And Our Lady responded, No, my child. And would that make you suffer? Do not be disheartened. My Immaculate Heart will never abandon you, but will be your refuge and the way that will lead you to God. Our Lady opened her hands and the children were overwhelmed in their spirit by God's presence and goodness. Our Lady then rose into the sky. The crowd saw the little cloud of light drift away and also saw that the leaves of the shrub were bent as if Our Lady's garments had trailed over them. Interesting how Our Lady calls them to pray the rosary every day. And then she says, I want you to learn to read. Now that I find is amazing. It's such a simple thing. And Our Lady wants them to learn to read. So Our Lady's prediction that Francesco and Jacinta would soon come to heaven was fulfilled in December of 1918, the following year, Francesco became sick with the Spanish flu and suffered much and eventually dying on the 4th of April 1919. And Jacinta too also became ill with influenza and later pleurisy and she passed away on February 20, 1920. But Lucia, of course, entered the convent and lived to the ripe old age of 98. <laughs> so we can see when Our Lady says to Lucia that she will have to stay for some time. <laughs> Heaven's time is perhaps a little bit different from the way we would describe it. Um, ended up living till 98 and because that she passed away on February 13th, 2005, just before Pope John Paul II. Right from this apparition then, Mary makes it known that Jesus wishes to establish devotion to her Immaculate Heart and to make her better known and loved. That little shrub that Our Lady appeared on became quite special as you could imagine at the end of the apparitions and people were taking little samples of it and taking leaves and branches until the end and sadly that tree was destroyed but if you go to Fatima today, you'll see a huge tree where the apparitions took place and surrounded by quite a strong fence. And the story goes that they were able to capture some seeds from that tree. And so even though the tree itself died, they replanted those seeds. And so the tree has grown back and it's quite a, a big healthy tree now, but it's protected so pilgrims and get over-enthusiastic and destroy it. Then in July, the 13th of July, which was a Saturday, by now the word had got around that the children were having apparitions. Some believed, some didn't believe. There was all sorts of struggles and persecutions. And the uh, authorities did not like the idea. They saw that as 
a political movement against the government was not looked upon in favourable light. So there was a lot of persecution around the whole idea of the apparitions even occurring. And so the children suffered greatly through all of this. But on the 13th of July there were 5,000 people there and they joined the children in the field that day. And the children were praying the rosary and as the children were praying the rosary a white cloud descended and a lady appeared only to the children but once again the bystanders sensed that something unusual was taking place. And seeing Our Lady, Lucia asked, What do you want of me? And Our Lady responded, I want you to come on the 13th day of next month and continue to pray the rosary every day in honour of Our Lady of the Rosary in order to obtain peace for the world and the end of the war for which she alone can help. Lucia said, I would like to ask you who you are and to perform a miracle so that the people will believe that you are appearing to us. Our Lady replied, Continue to come here every month. In October I will tell you who I am and what I want, and I will perform a miracle so that everyone may see and believe. Lucia then submitted prayer petitions and requests to Our Lady to present to God. Our Lady gave some responses to Lucia, and then Lucia said to the people, Yes, she wants the people to recite the rosary. People must recite the rosary. And Our Lady gravely said, Sacrifice yourself for sinners. And say often, especially when you make some sacrifice, O oh my Jesus, this is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for the offences committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. At this point, the children were shown a terrifying vision of hell. The vision was so real that the children later made severe sacrifices for the salvation of sinners. And Our Lady responded to the vision with sadness and tenderness. She said, You saw hell where the souls of poor sinners go. In order to save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. If people do what I ask, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. The war is going to end. But if people do not stop offending God, then another, even worse one, will begin in the reign of Pius XI. When you shall see a night illuminated by an unknown light, know that this is the great sign that God gives you, that he is going to punish the world for its many crimes by means of war, hunger and persecution of the church and the Holy Father. To prevent it, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart and the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. If people attend to my request, Russia will be converted and the world will have peace. If not, Russia will scatter her errors throughout the world, provoking wars and persecutions of the church. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. 
and various nations will be annihilated. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me. It will be converted and a period of peace will be granted to the world. In Portugal, the dogmas of the faith will always be kept. And at this point, Lucia and Jacinta are given the third secret that was eventually given to the Pope and was revealed in the year 2000. Do not tell this to anyone. Francesco, yes, you may tell him. Now you have to remember that Lucia and Jacinta both saw and heard Our Lady, but Francesco only saw the apparitions. He couldn't hear what was being discussed. When you say the rosary, say after each mystery, O oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those most in need of your mercy. After a pause, Lucia asked, Do you want anything more of me? Our Lady replied, No, today I want nothing else of you. So, strong message. The call to the rosary. Call to make reparation and sacrifices for sinners. And to show the children a vision of hell, which Lucia would later say if she hadn't been already assured that she would go to heaven. She thinks that the sight of that might have scared her to death. But again, a lady comes with tenderness and sadness to show us that hell is real and that's where poor sinners go. And she comes to establish devotion to her immaculate heart so that many souls will be saved. And then a lady predicts the end of World War I and talks about a greater war. And then the prophecy of a night illuminated by an unknown light that will be the great sign that God is going to punish the world through wars and persecution of the church. Now to highlight this, I'd just like to read you a little extract from Michael H. Brown, who's a well-known internet Catholic author. It was the evening of January 25th, 1938 and lights were seen in a way that may have been unprecedented, were visible from Scotland to Africa. In London, two magnificent arcs rose in the west and east, radiating pulsating beams that looked like red, blue and purple searchlights. The British were spellbound, and so bright was the phenomena that many thought Windsor Castle was on fire. There were beautiful coronas, Tongue-like rays rippled up. Pilots flying over the Atlantic reported what was described as a shimmering curtain of fire. The lights were seen clearly in Italy, Austria, Morocco, and even west to Bermuda and Canada. The glow bathing snow-clad mountains in Austria was a beautiful sight, but it created fear. In Portugal, peasants thought it was doom and a huge blood-red beam of light spread similar fears in the Swiss Alp villages. Emblazoned in the northern sky, the light brought thousands of telephone calls to Swiss and French authorities 
asking whether it was a fire or the end of the world, reported the Associated Press. Telephone systems were tied up, Canadian wire services were disrupted, and all transatlantic radio communication was down until nearly midnight. In the convent, Lucia knew instantly that it was the portent, the great sign, predicted at Fatima. She wrote to her bishop that if they investigated it further, scientists would find that it wasn't a normal presentation of the northern light. She said it was a phenomena manifested by God. And indeed, on February 4, 1938, a week after the Aurora, Hitler promoted himself to military chief in Germany and a month later marched into Austria, the very region where the Aurora had caused such a stir. It was a takeover of a nation and in many ways the beginning of World War II. Soon Hitler was meeting with Mussolini in Italy where anti-Jewish legislation was being passed. And not too long after, there was the invasion of Poland, which signaled the formal advent of World War II. So when Our Lady says things, they're not to be taken lightly. If we look to the past and see how prophecies were fulfilled, then we should take seriously her messages and her message of hope that in the end her Immaculate Heart will triumph. There's one line there that always touches me deeply where Our Lady says, The good will be martyred, the Holy Father will have much to suffer, and various nations will be annihilated. Now in 1917, it wasn't possible to annihilate a nation. But today, with nuclear war and chemical warfare, these are very real possibilities. So again, it's not a message for 1917 only, it's a message for today as well. So we leave it there for today and we'll continue next time with part two. But we'll be right back as usual with our special guest who will be sharing something of their own personal journey of their love for the Virgin Mary. Welcome back. Today's special guest is Amy Sanfilippo and Amy is from the western suburbs. She's 28 and she works as a HR advisor. She started practicing the faith around four years ago and mainly through the inspiration of Sydney World Youth Day. Since then she's assisted in leading youth parish groups and with her friend and the support of religious Amy leads a young adults group who participate in the Pilgrim Mother Apostolate and also she helps lead a young women's group. She was also a diocesan group leader for World Youth Day Madrid 2011 and she loves adventure sports, travelling and chocolate. <laughs> Welcome to the program, Amy. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, thank you. Amy, you mentioned that your journey started with World Youth Day 
Could you tell us something about that process and uh, how it affected you? I suppose prior to World Youth Day, I didn't have a strong faith. I always knew of God and I suppose I loved him the point I was at at that time. But then I think it was in God's plan that at that time I was having quite a number of people question me about my faith, people from the Islamic faith or Protestant Christians, which really spurred me on to want to know more about the faith. But I didn't really know where to look. But then a couple of friends were going to World Juice Day and they asked if I'd like to go, so I did. So all these questions that I had were answered and I suppose I found out that any questions we do have about our faith do have answers. And so I was surrounded by a lot of wonderful religious and young adults who were in the faith. And the most profound experience I had was going to confession. I hadn't been to confession for a number of years. And it was quite an overwhelming experience. I wasn't expecting to, to kind of to feel the way I did afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that really cemented my faith for me. Surprisingly, it, you, I just wouldn't have imagined that one Catholic event could have such an impact. But it was definitely, I think, a combination of things, but mainly confession. Amy, you mentioned that you're involved with the Pilgrim Mother Apostolate. Could you tell us something about that, please? The Pilgrim Mother Apostolate is a an initiative to show that community, and it was it began by a lay person who experienced the graces of the shrine in Schoenstatt and wanted to take the graces people experienced in the shrine to back to Brazil with him. I believe he was from Brazil. And so he built a replica of the image of Our Lady, the Mother Thrice Admirable, and took that with him to Brazil and then started taking that to everyone's houses. So that's how the, the apostolate began, and then it just spread throughout the world. So with the young adults group that I'm part of in that they were open to receiving their own pilgrim mother. Uh, we had a ceremony to receive her into our group and as part of the apostolate she travels from home to home and when she comes into your home you, you're preparing yourself and your home to welcome a special guest. So it's time where you really focus on you know, preparing for Our Lady and you might bring, you know, have flowers in the house or cook a special meal, but it, it really helps in not only bringing our community together of young adults, but also in making our love for Mary alive. It brings it to life and it makes our faith more real rather than just not, I shouldn't say just prayer or just words, but it, it kind of spurs action as well. Mm, that's beautiful. So, Amy, how have you found having a devotion to Mary? How has that helped you grow in your faith? I suppose, in hindsight, Mary has always been the one guiding me to Christ. I didn't realise it until later. So I suppose there were a lot of stepping stones that I needed to, to, to kind of walk across in order to get to where I am today. And I think Christ was guiding me to his mother from the beginning. But for various reasons, I suppose I didn't have that connection with Our Lady right from the beginning. But I know that Christ always wanted me to fall in love with his mother. Mm. 
he had to kind of figure out ways to, to kind of draw me to her. And I think from the beginning, like from having people challenge me on my faith, which led me to World Youth Day, which then led me to my parish. And then once I was in my parish, the priest asked if I would attend or to be part of the youth group and lead it. And from there I found, um, was led to Shinstat. And then it was just kind of one thing after the other over a period of time. But I think Our Lady has helped me grow in my faith by helping me be a better Christian. And I think although Christ could do that, I think as a young woman and even men, we need that motherly figure to kind of draw out the love that we have in us and also to help us open our hearts. And I suppose it's not dissimilar to the relationship that we have with our earthly mother. And, you know, for people that are fortunate enough to have a great relationship with their earthly mother. And she offers on a supernatural level what our mothers give to us on an earthly level. For me, that's how she helped me grow in my faith. Just like my mother helped me grow through life, Our Lady has really helped me grow in love for Christ. And Christ has helped me grow in love for Our Lady. And as I've grown in my faith, I've realized you, you kind of, when you have one, when you have Christ, you have Our Lady, and they just go hand in hand. And I think Our Lady did this through her gentleness, which also comes with great power that she has. And it's like a gentle strength, and it's amazing how, how can she, she can speak so uniquely to each person. And just the grace that she gives us. Yeah. Amy, I know with the Schoenstatt movement, a lot of their spirituality is mirroring Mary in her qualities and seeing Mary as the model disciple. Would you like Mm. to share a little bit about some of those qualities and how they've directly related to your journey? Yes, Schoenstatt is about mirroring Our Lady and trying as much as possible to become to become Marian like and that that's no small task and it is quite a, a high goal to aim for and the qualities that you know we, we would aim for or I aim for in, in becoming more Marian is you know, to, to kind of model her purity her, her kindness and her discipleship because she was you know, the first disciple and, you know, stayed with Christ to the end, never doubted him from the Annunciation to the cross and beyond. She was always there close to Christ. So I think in just by looking at that alone, it's really trying to mirror the same confidence and trust that Our Lady had in Jesus and the faith that she had in God's plan for her and for the salvation of, of the world. And I think if if I could get to that point, or just grow, continue growing in faith and trust and confidence, then that would help me grow in greater love for Christ and to be a better disciple myself. Amy, you mentioned a good point before about those who are lucky enough to have a devotion to their earthly mother find it quite easily to extend that to the mother of Jesus. Would you have any advice for people who perhaps haven't had that closeness with their earthly mother for whatever reason but are still wanting to 
grow and build a relationship with Mary, would you have any advice or suggestions in the way that that could be done? I'd try to give some advice, and I think my relationship with my mother wasn't always a positive one. I always knew that my mum loved me, and you know, my mum was always there to provide for me and support me. But there were issues there, and I think that was one thing that did prevent me from having a better relationship with Our Lady. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the key thing is is to really not know, but really understand that everyone's human and everyone makes mistakes. I think the key thing is forgiveness. I mean, if anyone isn't close to their mother or perhaps doesn't know their mother and never had them in their life, or is to really forgive. And that's another quality I think we Mary can or mirrors perfectly is forgiveness. Like she had to, before her own eyes, watch her son crucified, and and he was sinless, like completely had committed no sin, and she had to, to see that. So I think if we are to, to grow to become Marian-like, we need to mirror that forgiveness as well. And it goes hand in hand, and I think prayer, definitely prayer and asking Our Lady, if you want to grow closer to her, be honest with her and, you know, just say, you know, I don't feel close to you and I, I have no idea how I'm going to start a relationship with you, but if you help me, I know it will happen. And, yeah, just keep trying, never give up, because one of the key things of our faith is perseverance. But maybe if you're finding it difficult to develop a relationship with Our Lady or with your earthly mother, perhaps it's a challenge in perseverance for, for people to overcome. Yes, that's great, Amy. You've shared so many good points with us. Thank you so much for that. I'm sure many of our listeners will find it valuable. Got you at a difficult time and you very generously gave up your time to share with us today. So thank you so much. And to all our listeners, please join us next time on Our Queen, Our Mother, when once again we'll look at the graces of the Blessed Virgin Mary. radio.org.au